This is our waves on KCYX. My name is Victor Palomino, and I'm here with Marty Turlin. And we, uh, for a the last couple of months we've been going through Mendocino County looking for the stories of artists, places that do art, uh, places to gather to get art and all different things about art and we are here today in our live session and our pledge drive session and Marty it's great to be here with you. It's great, Victor, and thanks for being a partner in this Art Waves endeavor. I've wanted to do an art magazine since I got here at KZYX. There's so many great artists and uh, art artistic efforts going around all over this county. So just really high-class, high-quality, interesting, artistic endeavors. And so we're we're doing our best to cover them. We did it. We did a limited series. Now we're doing it once a month. Mm -hmm. uh, the It's the third Tuesday of every month. So we started here in October. We started the third Thursday of the month. And, yeah, it's been a great adventure. It's been amazing for me as a radio person and as a visual artist to have the opportunity to get to know Mendocino County through yeah. the microphones and uh, go visit studios and have conversations about art and art collectives and galleries and the uh, Mendocino County uh, Arts uh, uh, Council and so it's been great for me to find and discover all the amazing art that is here in our region. And today we have a two-part program. We're going to, in the first half hour, we'll be talking to uh, the artists, some of the artists part of the uh, Anderson Valley Open Studio, which takes place next uh, month on the uh, November 11th through the 13th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11 to 5 p.m. It's a free event. There are 10 artists, and we'll be talking to four of them this morning. And after that, uh, Dan McDonald and Cobb will be in with uh, talking about Magic Milk, the second silent musical that will take place at the Anderson Valley Grange, the 4th, 5th, and 11th, 12th of November. So this is an all-Anderson Valley show today, <laughs> which is fun, because this is, of course, we're sitting here in Philo, the heart of, of the Anderson Valley, and, of course, the birthplace of KCYX. All right, so on we go with Art Waves. Um, the first two uh, interviews that we do, we'll hear from uh, Antoinette Van Groen, uh, painter, and Sersha Byrne, who's doing uh, Cordage, a uh, very interesting art form. And uh, after that, we'll hear from Rebecca Goldie and Marvin Schenk. So we'll be, we'll be uh, talking to you after the first two interviews uh, from the Anderson Valley Artists Open Studio event, November 11th through the 13th. Anderson Valley for 20 years plus, uh, full time since 2005. We're in your studio, your beautiful studio, which is can accommodate these large canvases. And you moved into it in 2005? Yeah, halfway through the year, I started building right away. And it features everything that I need. Tell me about the paintings you have here. I do different series. One of them is my uh, animal ancestors. One of them is my valley you know, chickens and goats and and cows and uh, the rodeo and or, you know, just simply, I do, I love birds. So I paint a lot of birds. 
These are pelicans? Those are pelicans, yes. And the animal ancestors are... Explain those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I grew up in Germany, and I was surrounded by my ancestors always. And uh, so when I moved here, at some point I kind of... Maybe it would be nice to have an ancestor on the wall, but not one of those stuffy things. You know, if I could choose who my ancestor was, it would be an animal. (laughs) So um, that's how it all started and um, kind of developed from there. So tell me about these. So the characters are deer. They're they're dressed in full regalia. Right. And these are just... uh, uh, the deer, so it's Buckminster and Dora with their deer hounds. Oh. So. <laughs> right, and the, the hounds are actually dressed like dogs normally are dressed with nothing on but a collar. Right, yeah. exactly. And are these animals you've had, the, the dogs? Or? No, I, but I go, you know, with a camera to all these dog shows and, you know, anytime I'm outside, I basically have a camera on me and uh, shoot and, you know, you can use one image in a hundred, maybe. You know? Well, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's and it's important because um, you need to get the light right. I find the um, costumes and old paintings, and then I kind of have to match everything with the right lighting and the right size and stature. And, right. Yes. Right. Okay, and let's move on to this painting. So those are my travel paintings. And I come back from a big trip and I go, okay, so what was it that I saw that would kind of connect everything? And uh, even though on, on this particular trip we were in Uganda and Rwanda to see gorillas, the faces from the road were... You know, really interesting. And, you know, you see the kids that are still kind of open, and then as they get older, they become more wary. Tell me about your your training, your background, your education in this. I was not supposed to become an artist. That was one thing that was constant through my... um, childhood because my parents saw that I had, you know, some talent maybe. I knew how to draw and paint and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, what to do with that if you can't become an artist? (laughs) So um, I had the idea maybe to study how to restore old, old paintings, and we had a friend who restored churches and paintings and stuff like that and he said no 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 you have too much imagination you cannot do that Uh, you need to go to design school so my dad said well well then you know you have to do like a technical design thing or industrial design and off, <laughs> off I go with my mom into, you know, to the counseling at the school. And the woman who was counseling that day uh, was from textile design. And she looked at my little portfolio that I brought with me. And uh, she said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not industrial design. You come to me. <laughs> so I ended up studying textile design. And then later... Uh, I studied high fashion in Paris 
and uh, soon enough found out that that was not the right thing for me and uh, kind of moved on. I had a friend who made me an introduction with Hermès in Paris and um, I really wanted to design for their scarves and stuff but uh, uh, the uh, head of the department said no, 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 you know, I can see you can work but you know, you don't have the style. But here you can have a three-month apprenticeship with uh, the window decoration. And I said, okay, take it. And then out of three months became eight months. And um, so eventually I moved on, did a stint at um, Club Med. And they hired me to do batik and weaving. And I got into the studio. And uh, there was sock painting. And it kind of combined everything I had learned and uh, so I threw myself into that and started later my career with sock painting and then eventually made it over to uh, acrylics and then to oils. That's a tale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know, it's, it, it seems crooked, but in the end it's totally straight. That's right. Everybody yeah. kept ooching you towards yes. the right thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was Antoinette uh, von Kron, uh the painter, Antoinette von Grohne, I'll just be German in my pronunciation, uh, talking about her uh, art and some of how she got into it. I was sad to cut these interviews so short, but, but time... Time's a waste in here. So, uh, and next up is Sosha Byrne. But before we go to that next interview, we'd like to remind you that this is KZYX's fall uh, membership drive. And uh, we're waiting for your contribution to ArtWaves, appreciation for arts programming, particularly focused on arts programming here at KZYX. We'd really like to see people show up and, and support arts programming on the station. It's so important, as we were saying before, so many great artists in this county who deserve to be um, illuminated and um, a light shone on them and uh, elevated and and you know it's just uh, something we'd like to have happen here and and hope to keep going as we as we go along and you can visit our website kcyx.org if you want to keep supporting uh, community radio and this is our operations fund drive and all the, the money that we're collecting is going to help us to continue going out getting the microphones getting all the equipment that we need to go and continue telling these uh, artist stories and now we're going to go with the second uh, interview uh, the, the, the do you know who's the second interview? Yes, the second interview is Sersha Byrne. She's a cordage artist turning fabric into wearable art. Okay, Sersha Byrne. I've been predominantly focusing on cordage lately in the last five, six years. And so cordage, when I first learned how to do that from Tamara Wilder, it's a traditional process of making rope by hand. And so the native folks would have done that with dog bane or nettle. 
And when I was learning from Tamara, and I thought, well, I have a bunch of fiber in my studio, scraps of fiber, because I do commissions and custom work. I thought, well, why don't I take all this beautiful silk that I have in the studio and see what happens when I twist that up? And it was amazing because I, the first piece I did, I, I took my great-grandmother's handkerchief, which was completely threadbare, and the fibers were really weak, so I couldn't use it as a handkerchief. But then when I cut it into strips and twisted it up, it became strong. Mm-hmm. And I was learning from Bev and Doug how to spin wool, and I wound up the, the little handkerchief into a ball that looked like a little ball of yarn, and it sat on my studio wall for about a year, and then then one day I was like, well, why don't I turn it into like a skein, like how you would with wool? And I did that around my neck because I didn't have anything else to use to as a form, and then I had it on my neck, and it just clicked, like, oh my goodness, here's my great-grandmother and all these memories that I have with her and the colors that she loves and this thing that was hers that I've cared for but didn't know what to do with and then here it is with me in this new form that I got to participate in and then wear as my own and so that just really struck me as powerful and something that I wanted to explore more and then be able to share that with other people so I've been teaching workshops so that folks can learn how to do that for themselves and so you started out as a fiber artist that's Mm -hmm. what you were doing and were you spinning and doing that sort of stuff or what were you doing? Well, I was very new to actually spinning. I was trained as a fashion designer back east, and I worked in as a seamstress and pattern maker uh, with a clothing company down in San Francisco, and then had my own little baby clothing company when my first daughter was little. But um, but then we moved out to the country, and we're raising kids, and so then I would just take one-off commissions here or there. Like I've done an airplane cover, and uh, <laughs> I've done all sorts of like wedding dresses and different things. So like quite the gamut, and um, and so that's why I would have all these little bits of different fabrics, and uh, so then having um, having the opportunity to uh, transform them because I I love I, as you can see looking around like. I collect lots of little things and I see potential in things that would have been forgotten otherwise and I like to honor that. And and so how did you end up in Boonville? We have friends that live up at Emerald Earth, which is up Peachland, which is a really sweet, intentional community that was focused on natural building. And my husband was really interested in natural building, like the straw bale and the cob. And so we lived there for a year. And then we rolled down the hill and (laughs) became flatlanders. And here you are. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of these, these cordages. Yeah, so this piece here is houndstooth wool. So this is the selvage edge of uh, a woven piece of fabric. So the selvage is the the far edge where the the yarn, as it's being woven, folds back around and comes again. So um, it's the part that it's usually a little tighter. So when I'm sewing something from the fabric, I have to cut that off in order to use the fabric. And so this was just a long piece that I I folded up on itself and and twisted and then added brass beads to. And what's fun is that I leave the, when I splice the edges together, I leave the fabric coming out, which is basically like leaving a little memory of what the fabric once was. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting how, like here, this is silk chiffon. 
and how you can see how airy and wispy and almost feather-like the fabric itself is, but then you put it into the form of a rope, and it's super strong. Like, you could practically walk your dog with this. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you say twist it, are you, are you nodding it? How, how are you? What are you doing? No. Um, so it's, it's a process by hand where I <clears throat> twist uh, in the middle of the fabric, or the strip, and you can do this with the fibers from the plants as well. I twist it uh, away with my right hand and towards me with my left, so it builds up enough twist in this small little section so that it kinks up on itself. And then I fold that kink, <coughs> excuse me, under my left thumb and forefinger. And what I do is I take the top strand that's coming out and I twist that away from me. And then I hook and I flip both of those towards me. And then I drop it and I twist the top one away from me again and I hook and I flip them both towards me and so that process is essentially twisting individually each strand in one direction and then twisting them back on themselves in the opposite direction and that's what stabilizes the twist and so that's how all rope and twine and thread and everything is made and that was what was so amazing to me when I finally learned this process because I'd spent 20 years working with fibers and never realized that I could do it with my own hands Mm. like I learned from Bev and Doug how to do it with like a drop spindle with the Navajo spindle with the spinning wheel but then to learn from Tamara that I could do it with my hands with natural fibers out in the world um, the plants and then to see that all the excess that I had that I could turn what was waste product for me into something beautiful mm. was was really transformative and it's it's good it's good for the soul too because it's a it's a, once your hands get the motion it's like there's a I mean humans have been doing this 60,000 plus years so there's like a memory in our hands that um it's really repetitive uh-huh. and meditative. Like you can, once your hands do it, you can, your mind can wander. You can look out. You can have conversations. So you're using the same technique for all of this, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. And, but you're just using different materials. Right. Yeah. So the wool would be much thicker here. This is a cotton knit, and this is. Um, and that does look like a rope. Yeah, and this one, it's two strands of cordage then plied back on themselves, mm-hmm. so that creates a more chain-like rope look Um, and then you can see that it goes from like the fine silks and then even silks are different like this is a silk charmeuse which is a thicker weave of silk which the silk habitat or the silk chiffon they all kind of show up differently when they're formed into the cordage Mm That was Sersha Byrne, a cordage artist from uh, Anderson Valley. And before that, we heard from Antoinette von Grona. V-O-N-G-R-O-N-E is the last name, two-part two last name. And Sersha, S-A-O-I-R-S-E. <laughs> Sersha Byrne. We're going to go to the next interview with Rebecca Goldie. My name's Rebecca Goldie. I do a lot of everything really i've got some paintings up on the wall here uh, which i did from uh the sea up in mendocino mm-hmm. like i specifically went out there and and so plein air i did i didn't paint it i didn't paint them out there but i went out and i took a lot of photos and i spent some time and then i had a little exhibition at a tasting room out there so pretty much you could be right on the sea and you could look at the paintings in the room and then you could step out onto the headlands and you could see where I got my inspiration from. That's like my larger acrylic paintings and then I've just got some little smaller smaller things that I do. I do uh, I do watercolour. 
Uh, so I've got, you know, like some li- just little things that mm, I can do sweet. on small bits I of like paper. That. Yeah. Um, I did. I did a, a thing last uh, two years ago. I got a, a little Facebook invitation to join a. It was a Mendocino animal shelter, and they were doing like portraits for pets thing. And I'm like, well, I don't really do. I don't really do animals, but it's like you know, it's for raising funds. So I like started doing that, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can actually. I can paint animals, so I've got a little collection of all the little, you know, cats and dogs that I did for people as well now, and it's like, yeah, it's a little fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, And I paint my own chickens. Nice. Yeah. Julie. Oh yeah, she's lovely. And I also do this kind of stuff. So like a little background. So like when I arrived here, I pretty much came with a suitcase so I didn't come with art supplies or anything like that so um what I did was I had to kind of like make do with what I could find so paper mache so I can make all the beautiful little birds that are only that I've never seen because I came from Australia and England it's like we don't have quails and we don't have scrubby jays and things like that so I was just like okay and the beautiful turkey vulture yes I mean (laughs) so yeah a lot of, uh, pretty much everything I do sculpturally is like found, it's found object and trying to like something that's already had like this amazing journey, you know, it was a, it was a tree, then it fell in the ocean and, you know, and then it was like rolled up on the seashore for five years or something and then I found it and I'm like, you know, that looks like, it looks like a little fish already. So, you know, then I just turn it into something else. And Tell me how you made this like a big chicken wire base uh, and I make the shape and then I get that lovely free newspaper in the in the mailbox every week so I get a lot of free materials with that mix up some um, flour and some water and just start building it up wow and it, you know it takes a little while you gotta let it dry in between um, and then you're know, trying to get like the character of this guy and then I painted him up and I gave him the monocle because you know they've got a kind of reputation of being a bit kind of you know like people don't really like a vulture and I'm like well look at this fancy guy you know look at his look at his attitude you know he's doing this amazing job so yeah they they do do a good job it's and it's a necessary one Mm -hmm. yeah but they I don't know they they're very imposing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but he's friendly he's he's, he's a really nice guy he's I gave him a crazy name like you know Sir Rupert Tupplebottom or something like that you know (laughs) Just to classy him up a bit to take away from the I eat carrion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, paper mache is really, it's really fun. It's really easy and you can create all kinds of things and, yeah, I really enjoy it. And as you say, the materials are cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone can do it. Yep. 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 Um, well, what was your background in art? How, how did you come to start doing all these different media? Um, well, in... 1996, I graduated from art school in Australia uh, and I did, um, I majored in sculpture and in film and electronic media. So I wasn't necessarily doing paper mache back then, it was more like, you know, I had Andy Goldsworthy and stuff as my hero, so I was going out and collecting rocks from quarries and arranging that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I have a four year degree from, you know, last century and um, I've never really practiced it seriously as like trying to make a living um but I've always been artistic in some sense and like my my real job is in architecture um 
And when I got here to the United States, I wasn't allowed to work because I you know, wasn't legal yet. So I had a couple of years on my hands and it's like, okay, well, you know, I can see a quail out in the garden. Isn't that cute? What can I make it out of? You know, so that's pretty much how it goes. Okay. And how did you end up here in Boonville? I had a boyfriend in high school um, and he was American and he was like, telling me I should always, you know, I should go and visit in, uh, in the U.S. And I'm like, yeah, maybe one day. And uh, 30 years later, we kind of, like, got in touch with each other again. And he's like, yeah, you should really come to California. So I'm like, okay. And I came for a visit, and it was really nice. I was living in England at the time, and it was really quite different. So I'm like, okay. Uh, and then I went back home, and I packed up my stuff, and I came back. And wow. he said, we should get married. And Oh, so well. I just never left. <laughs> so high school romance. Yeah. Yeah. With a 30 year break. I recommend it. It's great. <laughs> We've been up in Mendocino County for about 22 years now. And uh, that's when we bought this place and moved up from Oakland. So I became very enamored with the landscape. I've always enjoyed uh, the landscape painting and I've focused on that for quite a while while, I w while I've been here so these are all different examples there's one that took best of show at the fair a number of years back and that's of a barn that's just up a little side road from where our place is mm -hmm. here in Philo mm -hmm. and uh, so there's a lot of images out at the Navarro Headlands uh, on the coast where they have that open space park and uh, there's a few pieces from back east from <clears throat> when I was my day job until I retired in 2015 was working at uh, as curator at the Grace Hudson Museum in oh. Ukiah that was for 15 years so uh, there are in that in that job role I would go to occasional conferences and I'd always try to go like a day early so I'd have a little time to run around and take photographs I mainly work from photographs uh, I just find it easier than being out in the wind and the bugs and, Gee, and yeah. a lot of people say that <laughs> uh, and I usually don't have a lot of time to go out and sit and do it but I, I love to work from photographs and that way I can just put it down and come back to it and nothing's changed this one's interesting the Navarro Point one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... I, I, well, I have this sort of insane mania that comes over me occasionally, and I try to paint fog. And <laughs> it is not an easy thing to do. And But I, I've become pretty good at it, although then when I photograph it for reproduction, the camera doesn't quite know how to read it sometimes, and you get funny things happen. Yeah. Uh, so these are kind of foggy days out at Navarro Hills. Uh -huh. I like what you caught here in the in the meadow ish. Yeah, part. I'm very influenced by impressionism, and uh, there was a group of artists back in around 1915 to 30 uh, called the Society of Six in uh, in the Bay Area, and they'd go out on weekends and paint and. Uh, they really became kind of post-impressionist uh, painters and really were working with the color and, and shapes and, and not not going after realism. They really wanted to explore color. Mm -hmm. They had been sort of working as traditional painters in, in the style that was going on before 
before uh, the World's Fair in 1915 happened, and they suddenly saw all these examples of European painting, and they said, we don't have to paint in dull greens and browns. We can paint in bright colors. And they went to town, and uh, they were a bit kind of a movement in, onto themselves. One of them actually worked as a mu museum curator and was able to feature their work, and they'd have a yearly show. So it was pretty good. And tell me about this seascape here. It looks, those are acrylics too? Yes, it is. And it's, uh, that's actually an East Coast piece from when I was at a conference out in uh, Long Island. And uh, there had, I arrived at about 10 o'clock at night and the storm was blowing. And the next morning I went out early and the storm was kind of going out. But uh, I took a lot of photos, and yeah. so I did a whole series of pieces. That one and the one above it are from uh -huh. that time. Yeah. The sand fence one, yeah. Yeah, it's very moody. But uh, after all of this discussion of painting, my degrees are actually in uh, printmaking. That's what I, when I was in college at uh, California College of Arts and Crafts and then Mills College for a master's, I was... Uh, focused on printmaking oh. although I was drifting into painting uh -huh. some my graduate show at Mills was one wall was watercolors and one was uh, silkscreen and uh, mostly silkscreen work at that time I like that one yeah that, that's a woodcut that uh, fairly recent uh, past couple of years and what I've been doing is hand coloring them Oh, so, so you the do actual a black and white yeah, print. this yeah, this is actually a linoleum cut, and so I do a black and white print, and then I go in with watercolors and uh, hand color it. Oh uh, yeah, that's cool. So that was Marvin Schenk. Uh, we also saw some art by his uh, wife, Colleen Schenk, who co creates collages and jewelry. And uh, there was Marvin talking about his work. Before that, we heard from Rebecca Goldie and uh, talking about all the cool media that she does. And we also heard earlier in the program from Antoinette von Grona and Sersha Byrne. Uh, so these Anderson Valley artists, there are uh, five of them, uh, and there are ten all together. They hold their 20th annual Open Studios event November 11th through the 13th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next month from 11 to 5 p.m. The event's free, and you can find more information online at artistsofandersonvalley.org artists of Anderson Valley, all one word, dot org, or from signs along Highway 128 on the event days. So thanks to all those great artists for their um, hospitality and their cool environments, their studios. And now, part two of our ArtWaves program. Part two of ArtWaves, and we're here in the studio with Cobb and Dan McDonald. And Dan and, uh, and Cobb, thank you. Welcome, and thank you for being here in ArtWaves and our uh, pledge drive. And you're here because you have a, the silent musical. It's the second silent musical. It's called Magic Milk. And well, first, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, your silent musical. Well, Dan, I'll just go. <laughs> My name is Cobb, 
and maybe you've heard my voice on the radio before, so the less talking I do, the better some days. And I regularly host Mind Body Health in this time slot, too. Mm-hmm. I want to give a quick plug for that show, and if you're out there listening and you listen regular and catch these shows, support KZY, because it's such a big deal. Yes, it is. It is, and and thank you for volunteering and for programming and all the work that you do. Oh yeah, cheers, Victor. It's yeah. fun. Uh-huh. Thanks for having me here, everyone. Uh-huh. I, I'm really grateful. <laughs> so grateful. But yeah, Dan, we don't get to hear your voice yeah. as much as mine, yeah. so I'll put flapping. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so we are doing the style of musical, and it is a play that has no words. Uh, and the story is told by the actors on stage acting, and then there's music written specifically for the play. And that, that you wrote. I wrote the music. Cobb wrote the story, and Cobb's doing all the directing and uh, you know more of the production aspects of that. And then there will be a live band there. Uh, we're doing four nights. It's the first two weekends in November, Friday, Saturday, which is the fourth, fifth, eleventh, and twelfth. And we're going to open the doors at 6. And this is at the Anderson Valley Grange, which is in Philo on Highway 128. You can get from the coast or Ukiah. You can get there in about an hour. So if you're in Ukiah or the coast, it's not a long drive. It's a beautiful drive. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Why, why do you create a silent musical? <laughs> well... Cobb had the idea. We did we did one in 2017, and I think, I mean, maybe Cobb could speak to this, but my understanding of where it started was uh, silent movies, mm-hmm. ins- inspired by that idea. And so that's where the, the, the first one came from, and the general idea to do a play without words. And then, I don't know, uh, it seems like it's um, cartoon-based this time, more than a silent movie. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, silent movie. We were inspired by, you know old cartoons that didn't so that's what I think we're trying to go for is <laughs> yeah. a cartoon yeah. I don't know if we'll achieve that I'm super inspired by the transition over to silent film and the vaudeville actors mm-hmm. and a lot of those folks and they're doing I don't know what to call it it's a lot of physical comedy a lot of physical activity with their bodies and everything they were doing back then early 1900s the quality of the the filmmaking the quality of the props and the costumes and just that whole style of art is just super cool i highly recommend l frank Baum, the guy that wrote the wizard of oz to folks Mm -hmm. and some of the films they did back then Mm -hmm. when i I saw the videos that you sent like my first uh my mind went to that to like silent movies and being in the theater and having the the pianist on the yeah. uh, there while the movie was playing and people in the audience was seeing like the two things combined together so yeah, so fun so you can yeah. see that in 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 the silent musical yeah so how how is the process of putting everything together like how did you start you start with an idea and then you start writing the music yeah um i mean Cobb and i hang out in on yeah, right. yeah, we hang out <laughs> and we just talk a lot. And um, yeah, Cobb came up with the story and he kind of tells me as we go along. And then I'll be like, okay, so this, this, and this happened, correct? And he'll say yes. And I'll say, well, I hear three different pieces of music in there. You know, that's and do you agree with that? And he'll say yes. And then I'll go whatever that yeah. is go to a piano <laughs> he went to a piano and he did it and then i heard it and then i'd see more of the story and i'd 
Just start writing there? I mean, the story literally came out of a dream I had. That's hmm. like, I don't know where these stories come from. Uh-huh. They're their own story. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you, like, woke up and remember the dream or just... Uh, yeah, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. I remember my dreams sometimes, and it's always like, oh, it was that person, but it wasn't really that person, and that's the end of the dream. I, I have listened to Cobb describe in great detail for a half an hour his dreams. So I'm always, <laughs> I'm always like, how do you dream and remember all this? Like, that's what I was going to say, because I when, I, when I remember my dreams, it's like these weird scenes yeah. that I, and I mm-hmm. try to write it down, and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's, it, it, at least when Cobb tells me them, they're fully formed... <laughs> flowery action movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a good answer. A fertile imagination. Yeah. Unconscious working over time. Yeah. Well let's let's remind people that this is KZYX's fall membership drive and we would love to see some more support of arts programming on KZYX and also as Cobb was mentioning mind body health is also um, something that occurs in this time slot and now a new program um, produced by a person um, with the uh, Mendocino College Foundation so we have an education program in this slot as well so um, we'd love to hear some support for that kind of public affairs and arts programming here on KCYX. What can people expect? What they're going to see on Magic Milk? Um, what they will see. Uh, hope, our, our, hope, our plan is to hopefully open the doors at 6. And we hope to have some live background music. Uh, hopefully it's... Uh, and a guy that used to program here, a local legend, John Solo, playing oh, some, fun. some solo piano. So yeah. when you go in, you'd hopefully see that. And then, you know, there's going to be a band. There's three people in the band, so they'll be down on the pit, and there's eight actors. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Katie Williams. Mm-hmm. Katie did the poster that hopefully everybody in the county is seeing, because we tried really hard to get them everywhere. She's fantastic. She's amazing, and she's doing painting all the sets. And so this takes place in medieval Europe, maybe. So we've used the stylized sort of um, illuminated manuscripts from that time, mm-hmm. so that's kind of what the style is. So you're going to see Katie's paintings up there. She painted the whole set and still working on it, and she um, she's great, so I want to give her a shout-out. And then, you know, it's like a sandwich. When you take a bite of a sandwich, it's like, oh, this is a turkey sandwich, but on the sandwich there's like mustard which is the music and there's like meat which is the actors and there's cheese which is the light and they all have their separate tastes but when you eat the sandwich it's just like turkey sandwich yeah so hopefully we want to overwhelm the senses like you're looking at the stage and you're seeing the actors and you're trying to figure that out because there's no dialogue and then there's music playing and you want to look at the music Mm -hmm. and you just you know, it's a sandwich of fun. Yeah, <laughs> a sandwich of the senses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I just want to put out there: it's all about people. The whole thing, you know, it's all about the audience in particular. Same thing here with KZYX mm-hmm. and having a good time. And you know, all of our actors, our whole ethic going into this with the process is, you know. It, on the one hand, if it looks cool and it sounds cool, the thing's going to be cool. If yeah. our actors are up there having a good time and we're all there just really enjoying that, 
everyone who attends is going to have a good time. They get to check out whatever they consider normal for the moment. Mm -hmm. And they get to enjoy something totally different. And, And I know Dan and I share, you know, live in person which is especially a big deal right now coming out of the pandemic Mm. as an experience um and we're you know there is a masked required show night that we have too to be inclusive of folks that are still very vulnerable and concerned about that but um that's on the 11th by the way first friday second friday second friday (laughs) so you're gonna have eight actors on the stage how is the (laughs) process of like coordinating directing eight actors in a silent oh. uh, <laughs> space <laughs> oh geez yeah, it's so it's like fun it, it's so fun for everyone i hope most of the time yeah it, it's very much like choreography and the actors need to know all these cues like do this and do this but then the how it's going to work if it works is the music's going to change and hopefully that's going to coincide with action changes on the stage. It's timing. It's all timing. That's the best part about comedy. I don't know who pays attention to some of the details of comedy, and especially silent yeah. film. But, man, when those epic comedians way back with, with bodily comedy, physical comedy, physical comedy yeah. when they nail that so timing, the it's hilarious, yeah. uh-huh. in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I just want to put out one other thing for people that are, like, wondering. They can go to, you, I think you search on YouTube. This is a bit obscure, but you can find the silent musical, the movie, from the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I don't want to talk it up as, like, great cinematography by any means, but... Um, I got the wild hair, like, oh, we did this silent musical to be, like, a silent movie. How recursive would it be to make an actual silent movie out of the silent musical? And then we put that up on YouTube, so you can search the silent musical, the movie, or the silent musical, the movie preview, which is just a minute and a half preview for the movie. And you can check that out literally and get an idea of what it's going to be like. Okay, I'm going to break in just to remind people to make your pledge to KZYX. We'd love to see your support for arts programming, for Art Waves on KZYX, and all the other great programs that happen in this time slot and through the KZYX schedule. So thanks, and let's go on with art now. Yeah, and you can go to our website. You can go to kzyx.org if that's easy to donate. And that's the great thing about community radio, public radio, and the and the community events, art events you guys mm. are doing, they have that similarities of uh, bringing people together, yeah. having an mm-hmm. idea, and make it happen. Yeah. And like one other similarity between theater and radio is like it's life. Yeah, you know, it's happening <laughs> in the moment. So if something happens, yeah. Yeah. it's authentic that way. Yeah, yeah. And so, remind our listeners, what is it going to be and at times and where they can get more information? Yeah, we do have a Facebook page. If you go on to Facebook and if you type in Silent Musical Magic Milk, that seems to bring it up. If you, There are bands called Magic Milk. There's all these other things called Magic Milk mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have thought of. But who knew? Who yeah. knew? <laughs> but we do have a, we do have a, um, a, a Facebook page 
so you can get more information there and that link that Cobb was talking about is on there mm -hmm. we're only going to be selling tickets at the door we didn't do online stuff just because that's too how much. we roll yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know just too much <laughs> uh, so it is the first two weekends in November uh, 4th 5th 11th 12th Monday uh, Friday Saturday Doors at 6, show at 7, it hopefully will be at least an hour long, so that's what you're going to get. Um, and it's at the AV Grange on Highway 128 in Philo. Mm. Why, why the name? Why Magic Milk? You know, honestly, we came up with that name, and then I presented it to several friends, and they felt kind of odd hearing it, like it was a little bit gross, <laughs> and I was like, oh... Then we're keeping it. <laughs> but it, but it's an app title. I mean, it really is central to the story, and it's it makes sense when you. There's a cow. It. There's a cow that eats a flower, and mm. then people drink the milk after it eats the flower, which is a magical, you know. It's a stuff flower. happens. Yeah, and stuff happens. So uh -huh. it's about a cow and people drinking milk and having. Magic flowers, magic, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's where it comes from, I think. And I want to give a plug for the for the film that's on YouTube of your last production in 2017. I think is really effective. It yeah. looks like it really has that feel yeah. of an old film, and the music's awesome. And yeah. I I just love the whole thing. And Cobb, you were in that first one, and your movement is just astounding in it. I think so. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I yeah. Loved it. It was a really fun show, and that was me and Dan all the way as well. Yep. That show. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not had a big case so many other. I mean, it's not just me and Dan. The whole thing's a team effort all mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people involved. Yeah. yeah. yeah and <laughs> you know, we could we could list names all day long, but yeah. like we're such a small part of it, and they're so great. And that that to me creatively is very important to stress. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy collaboration and i just really am thankful and appreciative of anyone that works together works with me in particular because i know i can be difficult <laughs> and has a good time and p helps put these different projects together that i've been involved with how was thank you dan for that too man <laughs> it's so great how was the reaction from the public after the first one that you did and it did that encourage you to make a second one or how how was the process of that is like finishing one and then creating the second one it seemed like people liked it they showed up and people are still talking about it <laughs> two years later when <laughs> i arrived yeah. yeah people seem to like it uh the general consensus i got was that people understood what the story was that was mm -hmm. a big concern is mm -hmm. like people wouldn't actually know what was going on um what was the other part of the question? Uh, and <laughs> so, th thinking about the second one, now oh. I'm going to change the question a little bit. Yeah. So, what things did you learn oh. after the second one that you're applying to this one? So much. Um, we, what I've done with the music is, so when you tag music, you play the last measure, you repeat it. And so we added all the music before the change, we're going to tag it, and then we're going to slow it down, a retardando. And that's what's cueing the actors you're hearing the music slow down and you're like oh here comes mm. i hope i'm not it's, giving away too much well, the, it's a, there's, there's a lot of background yeah. process to it that i don't know how interesting that is for various audience 
you know, necessarily, but for us as a creative team and how we went into processing, you know, how we're going to run rehearsals and various things, um, we certainly learned all sorts, and it's very technical in how we did the process, Mm -hmm. and we did our best to formalize some of that another time, so hopefully things went smoother this round with um, the way we put it together for everyone. Mm. You're listening to Art Waves here in KCYX. We are talking about uh, Magic Milk, the silent musical that's going to take place on October 22nd. And we're here with Cobb and Dan McDonald, who are the creators and are part of the uh, this interesting and very unique piece of artwork mm. that is the silent musical. Uh, so, where can... I mean... Tell us about the stage. You talk about, like, do you have an artist creating the stage? When I was looking at the video of yeah. the second one, it's very, it creates an atmosphere, it creates a scene. So tell us a little bit what, what, what is the stage and what is the participation of that during the, the whole play? Uh, you mean, like, the look or the feel? Yeah, the look and... The, and you, you know, what's, what's informed me, and, and I got a lot of help from, from our friend Katie who did the poster... We did a bunch of research into some of that era and tried our best, some of the era like pre-Renaissance. Mm. And and it's really interesting to me to, uh, and I think a lot about math and music together and the patterns mm-hmm. and all of that and the resonances and, and various non-linear processes like second, third order differential equations mixed in with overlapping frequencies that create harmonies for music and all that yeah uh prior to the renaissance it was like a flat world Hmm. it was a it was the way art was depicted the way perspective was depicted or or not depicted monophonic music yeah yeah yeah. and then the color palette and 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 shadows glass and shadows and things like that so a lot of that kind of, um, um, what word do you call it, inspiration went into the way we're creating the look mm-hmm. of this show mm-hmm. as best we can. You know, at the same time, low budget, and, yeah. and if you look at those old <laughs> no silent budget. movies, you can... what. You can tell that like their costumes are made of cardboard and stuff, and I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. we've gotten a lot of mileage over the years at the Grange uh, variety shows and things out of cardboard. It's such a fantastic medium. That's another point that we should bring up: that the Grange, the Philo Grange, has been very. They've allowed us to utilize that space in a lot of ways, and there's this long history of theater happening there and um like the whole thing has a professional lighting system and has a professional stage Mm -hmm. and has chairs that people throughout the years here have um built up so i think it's it's a community yeah yeah awesome venue yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a great venue perfect for this for this unique presentation that you created out of thin air basically yeah and if i may you know 895-2233 is the number to reach out and Mm -hmm. you know we're here at the philo studio for uh, an infrastructure of radio that's countywide 
But in Anderson Valley, there's such a, and, and countywide, there's such a history of people coming together, mm-hmm. supporting each other, making stuff out of nothing happen that's Great. stayed around. Great thing. To be there for folks like Dan and I to come in and have an opportunity. Yeah. And we're all in that together, and that's you out there listening. And we and have it's a huge 30 deal. seconds to go. I just want to take this last uh, couple of seconds to thank you for being here. And yes, Dan thank and you. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks. And Thanks we're looking forward the for the silent musical, uh, Magic Milk. And thank you, Marty. And thank you, thanks, everybody, Victor. for listening. Yeah. And remember, we need your donations. This is yeah. the week where we have that connection with our listeners. And you can go to kcyx.org. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.